0: Hey podcast listeners, Patrick here. Just a reminder that BroadwayCon 2017, presented by Mischief Management and Playbill, is less than two months away. You can find information and tickets at BroadwayCon.com. So just a little bit of news about BroadwayCon, we are still accepting submissions for our BroadwayCon The Podcast live show, which we're recording from the main stage. The show is called Fandemonium and is all about celebrating the relationship between fans and their heroes in the Broadway community. And I want you to be a part of it. So if you love or are obsessed with someone in the Broadway community, if their work has inspired you in some special way, make a 90-second video about it and post it to our Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr pages and use the hashtag #BroadwayConPodcast. podcast. We'll be picking a handful of you to join us on the main stage to share your stories. Also, as we've previously announced, BroadwayCon attendees will get an exclusive first look at Anastasia with a performance by Christy Altimore and Derek Kalina. Attendees will also get the chance to perform in the fan based talent show called BroadwayCon Star to Be and maybe get the chance to participate in the BroadwayCon Feud hosted by Jen Kalella. You guys, there is so much to know about BroadwayCon 2017, so head on over to BroadwayCon.com and check it out for yourself. Okay, now to the show.
1: I know a place where you belong, come follow me and join the song. Welcome to BroadwayCon!
0: The podcast, the show for the theater kid in all of us. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, one of my favorite things about BroadwayCon and this podcast is that we get to celebrate and really explore the relationships between fans and their heroes in the Broadway community. Well, today, we are bringing you a story like no other. From as far back as he can remember, today's guest, Ben Rimmelauer, has been obsessed with Patti Lapone. And really, who isn't? Growing up in California, Ben would come to New York on every holiday and vacation to see her in whatever she was doing. Well, it just so happened that when Ben was finally able to move to New York after college, an old family friend, Lonnie Price, you know, the actor from Merrily We Roll Along and Dirty Dancing, and the director of 110 in the Shade, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, and the upcoming Sunset Boulevard revival— Yeah, that guy. Well, he just happened to be directing Patty in Sweeney Todd with the New York Philharmonic and took Ben on as his assistant. From there, Ben developed a complicated relationship with Patty. He's turned his years-long relationship with Patty into a one-man show called Patty Issues, which he's reviving in December. I got him into the sound booth to give us the skinny on getting to know one of the greatest Broadway legends of our time.
1: Dang. Lonnie always says that uh, the one thing he'll go down in history for is introducing me to Patty LaVone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How was that? Like, you walk in the room and there she is. Like, what was that even like?
1: It was amazing. I mean, uh, you know, Lonnie, I was Lonnie's assistant. He sent me down with the stage manager on the first day of rehearsal to meet Patty at the stage door of the Avery Fisher Hall. Oh, my God. Um, which is where we were rehearsing. Was he,
0: like, be cool?
1: Or? No, I think, you know, I'm from L.A. Mm-hmm. And, um... I had just come off of a year working on the TV show Spin City, uh-huh. and before that, I'd spent a year interning at the McCarter Theater. Uh, you know, and and I grew up with celebrities, so I I I I th- I don't know how this was clear made clear to Lonnie, but he I he I think he wisely could tell that I wasn't somebody that was going to behave in a way that would be unprofessional or inappropriate or you know yeah. not ideal. Yeah, and um and also, you know, before I puff myself up too much. It's Patty who is, um, you know, she's not the type of person that she's not a blushing flower with her fans, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, that's there true. wasn't like the concern that I would like, tr- you know, I mean, Patty will eat you. I, right. Patty's a, a piranha. <laughs> you know, when you send somebody to meet Patty, you don't have to tell them how to behave. Patty sets the tone, you know, it's all on Patty time.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. So, what was it? What was that introduction like?
1: It was amazing. I mean, I, I say this in the try I think people think I'm making it up, but it's really true. She laughed in my face. I mean, it was, she was shaking hands with all these New York Philharmonic people. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And then she looked at me, and I, God knows what my face looked like, you know, but she was like, <laughs> hi, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my God. And the, okay, so tell the story, my favorite story about what you said to her.
1: Well, I thought I was doing a good job of acting cool in rehearsals. And, um, Then uh, she wanted help running lines, and Lonnie volunteered me, and she said, great, so I went and ran lines with her one night, and we, like, totally bonded, and it was, like, you know, the greatest time of my entire life. Oh, my God. Point. I can't
0: even imagine. It was
1: insane. I mean, I was with her for a couple of hours, you know, and we were just, like, drinking Jack Daniels and chain <laughs> smoking, and, you know, she was performing the entire role of Mrs. Lovett to me twice.
0: Oh, my God. Um, and you were in Kelly Williams's apartment. Kelly Martin's apartment. Kelly yeah, Martin. Kelly yeah. Martin. Yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Kelly wasn't there. I mean, it was Kelly's New York place, and at the time, that's where Patty was staying for the couple weeks of rehearsal. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Um, it was, like, across the street from Lincoln Center just above Gracious Home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, it was a nice building um, you know, and I, I say it in the show, i never forget I walked in, there's this beautiful view of the of the Palisades and I said she goes, How about that view? And I said, Oh, it's gorgeous She goes, Yeah, it's beautiful, but it's Jersey, isn't it? We people people pay so much money for a view of New Jersey. But if you want a view of New York, you have to leave the city. <laughs> yes, Patty. <laughs> yes, Patty. <laughs> Yeah, so she's in that job. But I was in love with her. I mean, I still wait, am, you but know.
0: Wait, didn't you—I so feel like the story I'm trying to get yeah, to— Yeah, no, I know the story you mean. Okay, so, okay,
1: So I got—sorry, I was giving you too much setup. No, I so, love it. So uh, I was doing well. Even that day, I was very cool. I was like, you know, you should record a single like share. You know, I just thought I was like <laughs> Mr. like Hip, you know. And then uh, we were in tech, and Patty said, Can somebody bring me a water? And I leapt from my seat and said, Yes, Divina! And I don't, you know, I would seen her in Master Class, La Divina Callis, in my yeah. mind she will always be La Divina Lupone.
0: And so did she laugh?
1: Uh, well, so what happened was, I, it was, somebody else, I I said this, but it was in the middle of tech rehearsal, it wasn't even really my job to get her water, you know? Yeah. I was just so concerned with her well-being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, before I, so there was stage management. Was you know I was way out in like row M with Lonnie. Stage management had somebody handing her a bottle of water within seconds. You know there was the New York Philharmonic and things. You know things were going on. It wasn't clear that she or anyone had heard me. Um, I don't even think Lonnie re- reacted. You know I mean things were happening in <laughs> yeah. fast. And so I sort of thought, oh God, what did I do? Uh-huh. I guess nobody heard. And then at the end of the day. Patty came over to say good night to me and Lonnie, and I was like, "Good night, Patty." And she was like, "I said, I said, have a good night, Patty." And she said, "You have a good night too, my Devo, my divino."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and
1: you know, we still call each other that to this day. That is yeah. uh, okay.
0: So then, tell me how, from there, you actually developed a real,
1: true friendship with her. It was slow going. I mean, to say we have a true friendship, you know, I mean, she would probably say we're friends, although I don't. Know that she thinks about me in her spare time all that much, right, right. but but I mean she does, you know. And when, when I directed this thing for her last year, she was being honored by um Saint John the Divine. Oh she was right, getting the yeah, The yeah, City yeah. Award, and she had me directed, and you know I think she thinks of me when something that requires somebody with my level of Patty knowledge, yeah, <laughs> you know, then she's like, oh well, get Ben Rimmelauer, you know, yeah. Um, And, you know, she's invited me to shows a couple of times, but obviously I think about her constantly the way a good Christian thinks of Jesus. And (laughs) I don't think I have that role in her life. Right. But I think also she probably thinks of me more as a friend than I think of her as a friend just because to her, I'm just this sweet gay guy that loves her. To me, she is Jesus, you know, and I don't know that I can really relate to her as a normal person. Um, I feel like that about Celia Keenan-Bolger. I'm not kidding. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I I don't know Celia uh, and I'm not. I mean, I think she's great. I'm not in any way obsessed <laughs> with her. But I, I can see that. I do remember when I saw Spelling Bee, and oh. just the second she walked on stage, I started weeping. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I, no,
0: no, no. Celia has that. She there's has something that. about yes. her. I get yes. why you would, yeah. why her, you know. I She invited me to come say hi to her after this play that she's doing now that I can't think of the name of. But not like, a musical, not don't a musical, care. exactly. I went. To, I was like walking towards her slowly backstage, and she's so gorgeous, and yeah. she, I just love her yeah. so much. And um, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna cry! I'm literally, I'm gonna cry! Like, I'm yeah. gonna cry because I'm standing right next to her." Yeah, she's yeah. special. I can't For talk sure. to. I can't talk to her yeah. anyway.
1: Um, so I don't. It was gradual with me and Patty. You know, um, uh, Sweeney Todd ended, and it was the week before my 24th birthday, and the day of my birthday. Patty was going to be doing a concert in Rahway, New Jersey. And I don't know where I got the balls, but I was like, can I have tickets to your show? It's my birthday. And so she gave me a bunch of tickets, and my friends and I went out to dinner and took the train to New Jersey. And, oh, my um, God. And we... Uh... We saw. This is actually a really funny story. Uh, she in that concert, she sang uh, one of my favorite things she's ever sung, which is this Rogers and Hart song, "I'll Tell the Man in the Street." People know it. It was on Barbra Streisand's first album. Uh huh. Hattie's never recorded it. She used to sing it. She hasn't sung it in years, but that was one probably the last time she sang it. And I'm obsessed with that re- re- uh, rendition and that arrangement. And. Uh, and on the way home back to the city, we rode the train with this gay couple who we started talking to. They'd been at the concert. The One of them was the man who had arranged that song for Patty.
0: Oh, wow. Cut to
1: uh, Jesus, what is it? 16 years later. So I got produced by this producer, Glenn Rovin, who produces for Audible, wants to produce an audiobook of Patty issues. So we've been talking. So oh. I sent him the video uh, of the duplex show just so he could reference it you know uh other than as a script and so he emails me in the middle of watching it oh my god because i talk about that arrangement of i'll tell the man in the street in the show and he says oh my god i arranged that number and i said oh my god we rode New Jersey Transit together, no. and he was like, "Oh my God!" And he was so moved because his husband that he was with at the time had since died, and oh, you know, God. it was like this crazy
0: yeah. Kismet thing. That's amazing. Yeah, all roads lead to Patty. Uh, yeah, there's two stories I want to touch on. Yeah, number one is you finding the video of her. Yeah, uh, at Les Mouche. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty so much. There's like a lot of people who listen to this podcast are like the young, beautiful, like teenagers and younger, like you and me, right? Exactly. <laughs> they made. They probably don't know about Les Mouches, can you give a little background sure. and then and then sure. how you found it?
1: Well, so Les Mouches uh, was a gay club in New York in the late late 70s and early early 80s. It actually wasn't around very long. It was on like 26th and 11th and it was a disco and upstairs or downstairs heard, I think upstairs they had a cabaret room and people played there like um, Sissy Houston and Eartha kid and you know sort of a you know, I mean I wouldn't say it was like 54 Below but sure let's say yeah, it was like yeah. 54 Below. Um And uh, during the run of Evita, Patti did her first ever cabaret act at Les Mouches. It began as a series of three Saturday nights at midnight following Evita. Um, and it was a sh- runaway hit. She ran for a year, and Andy Warhol was like a groupie, and they wow. were all on drugs, and they would all pile <laughs> in the limo and go to Studio 54 afterwards, and it was like this... Meanwhile,
0: she had, like, a matinee the next day.
1: No, she didn't fucking do
0: matinee. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh- right? So, no, so, so Sunday was No, she did day six off. shows
1: a week, you right. know? So there was Terry Klausner doing Sunday matinee and Wednesday matinee, so Patty did... Um, her sixth show of the week was Saturday night, then she had all day Sunday off and all day Monday off, and she had Tuesday off until the Tuesday evening show. Right. But she had just come off of a, you know, and she would let her hair down and it was a wild well anyway, I, I'd heard about this because I'd bought up the Triton Gallery is I don't know if these people know oh, is a, God, yeah. a treasure trove for fans. Yeah. Um and it's a store where you can buy posters and even some paraphernalia from Broadway shows from all of history. But it's
0: not there anymore, right? Like it's well, all the online store, now. The,
1: no, there is a shop. There is. It's no longer a store front on 45th Street, which is sad because it's still, like, there's nothing there. There's nothing there, right. But it's in the Film Center building on 9th Avenue between, uh, upstairs from 5 Napkin Burger. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. And you can go and buy stuff in the store and people should support it. Yeah, totally. I didn't know that. And it's awesome because you can buy all kinds of really random, rare things, including on that very trip when I was a freshman in college and I went to see Patty and Pal Joey, I went to the Triton Gallery and I bought a I was like, do you have any Patty LaPone posters? You know, I'm looking at Evita and he goes. And then there's this thing with this cartoon image of her in a tuxedo and it's just red and white and it's for this Great big poster for her nightclub act at Les Mouches. And it says, Saturdays at, it literally said, Saturdays at midnight following her performance in Evita. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd that ever is heard amazing. of in my life. Yeah. So I bought the poster and I remember going to the Lincoln Center Library and Goog- uh, Googling. <laughs> this is before we had Google. <laughs> I looked like up Patty on their bibliography, yeah. what do you call it? Their um, card catalog, uh-huh, literally. Uh-huh. And oh my God. And, you know, they would, sh- <laughs> I f- took this, like, they had, I had to wait in line and give them this citation on a little piece of paper. And then they handed me this manila folder of newspaper clippings of Patty. And I remember sitting there and reading her reviews from her performances at Les Mouches. Um, And it sounded amazing to me. And uh, it was just this legendary thing that had happened. And then when I was getting to know Patty, she had given me all of the videos she had of herself, her entire video collection. And um, uh, there was, on one of the tapes she claimed there was video of her lameish performance and I couldn't find it, but it turned out it was sort of buried at the end of this crazy long videotape. Because her
0: husband would like had taped over all of her stuff with like no, sports. No, 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 right? no, 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 no. Is that wrong? That it, that that you're
1: not totally wrong. What? What's, it's Patty's husband, Matt, is wonderful. It's not that Matt taped over her stuff. It's that she would take his sports tapes and be like, oh. "I'm on the Tonight Show," and she, <laughs> she would like, you know, he would be like in the middle of watching a basketball game. Well, it was really hockey and baseball. She, he'd be in the middle of watching a game, so you'd get like the first. I don't know innings. What? I don't know what you call it, you know. But <laughs> but then you know she would tape over his game with like her singing "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina" and Merv Griffin or something.
0: Oh my God! So it wasn't that he taped over her. It was just that she used those tapes. But like I, I feel like I remember you telling me that you had fallen asleep with one of the tapes in, and you woke up and you were like heard this. Well, because she she kept telling me there was Le Mouche, and I kept I kept, was
1: cataloging all these VHS tapes, and there there was no Le Mouche. Yeah, you know. Um, and it was a lot to go through. I mean, it was four brown paper supermarket bags filled with VHS tapes. Patty, come on, girl. I mean, it's a lot of videotapes, <laughs> yeah. you know. And that's, obviously, that was, you know, nirvana for me. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. And, and I, it was just wonderful. But I will say, it, it, don't think that it was like, this one's Avita and this one's like Miss and this one's Anything Goes, and this one's her concert. You know, a lot of it was like five hours of basketball games for one thing of her doing a, a commercial that I've already seen twice on another tape, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh, it was like a lot to get through. Yeah. Um, but she kept saying Le Mouche was there, and um, finally one night I was watching this tape that she had labeled Capital Sports. I actually now that I think <laughs> about it, Matt labeled it Capital Sports, and she taped stuff over it. And I'd watched this tape before; it had a bunch of stuff, and there was no Le Mouche. And I, I fell asleep during some game, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was this <laughs> chirping sound in my room. I thought there were crickets or something that had gotten in through the window. And I didn't think it was anything to do with the tape because the screen was black. I mean, it seemed yeah. really clear that whatever had been on that tape had long played out. Yeah. The Lemouche video began, and the chirping was part of the uh, orchest- orchestral. The instrumental introduction to oh. La Mouche began with ch- And people that have the album know that it starts with chirping, and then it goes into this sort of uh, rock band warming up, which goes into the Buenos Aires vamp, and it goes into right. Patti's opening number. I'm Aladdin from Manhattan. You can dance-
0: So the other thing I wanted to talk about is Leslie Kritzer. Yes. Um, who I have yet to actually ever even meet. Why has she not been on your we show? We t- tweet about it constantly and then she's busy and whatever. Oh, that I get her. She's got the best stories. When you
1: have her, make sure you ask her about when Liza Minnelli came to see her in Funny Girl at the Paper Mill
0: Playhouse. Oh my god. It's a good Kritzer, story. I'm asking you that question. Yeah. Um so you and Leslie did, uh, you did. You directed Leslie in a sh- performance piece that was Patty Lepone at Les Mouches, yeah, right? right. Okay, talk about this. Well, I was
1: obsessed with this video that Patty gave me, and I was directing a lot of cabaret acts, and I always used Les Mouches. To me, that was the model of what a cabaret act should be. I loved the fact that it was... Um, uh, 1980, and the musical arrangements reflected that. Uh-huh. You know, even when mm-hmm. she sang "Love for Sale" or "I Got Rhythm," it was very much of its time in 1980, and um, that was attractive to me. You know, and it sort of it doesn't seem as sort of uh striking now because it's like you know every se- you know people do one Broadway show and then they're at 54 below, right? You yeah. know, yeah. Totally. But um, but that certainly wasn't the case when Patty was in Evita. It was r- weird almost, that she would do that. And,
0: and now you would never see, like, Elena Roger doing Avita. Well, no, go, no, nobody would do it after Avita. Exactly. But
1: none of these kids, you know, whatever, they call out if they've got, you know, yeah. um, uh, an email. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but no, but I mean, but even anyone just, you know, big stars did cabaret acts, Cheetah Rivera did a cabaret act, but people that were in, you know, in a couple of Broadway shows, that wasn't what they did. Yeah. And even uh, 10 years ago, when Leslie and I did the Patti Lapone show, it wasn't common the way it is now. You right. Know? Um, but uh, but I had been directing a bunch of cabaret shows, and I always used Les Mouche as The Act, and I started to think that it would actually, you know, uh, Rufus Wainwright had done uh, Judy, Judy Garland's Garland. Carnegie Hall show, which, and he didn't play Judy, he just... Did her set and her arrangements and yeah. stuff?
0: but I that would have been thinking, terrible if he yeah. had played. That would have been off. Op- Rufus, don't ever do that. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about
1: no. <laughs> that. But, uh, but actually, the first thing I thought of was I wanted to do Liza with a Z. Oh,
0: um, because
1: I thought that's like a great. That to me, that's the great Fossey film. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but well, one of the great Fosse yeah. films. Uh, but uh, but it, you know, there's a lot of dance and all that. You know, and. And I just I was like, oh my god, but Les Mouche and Patty is a character in Les Mouche is so wacky. And um and of course I'm obsessed with it. And and also, you know, unlike Liza, who's in that category of, of mega superstar where it's like yet another person doing Liza, uh-huh, you know what I mean? And uh-huh. there's not probably anybody I'm friends with that doesn't have a solid Liza impression totally. if pressed, you know. <laughs> um, although mine sounds too much like my Carol Channing. Um, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Oh God you got to get Leslie's lesbian. I'm after. dying I'm dying, um, but <laughs> it's taking all my self control not to do it. <laughs> um, you're welcome, leslie. um but uh so so I thought of doing that show, and Leslie and I were friends, and we had worked together in a bunch of things, and I knew right away she was the person to get. I mean, I knew that you know she's got the killer voice, and it's a and it's a, such a rangy and um elastic voice, you yeah, know, that it could yeah, sing in that young patty. Style and do it justice, you know. It wouldn't be a, a letdown to hear Leslie sing Patty stuff, and um, and I knew that Leslie is a good enough actor um, that she could play that character for real. You know that it would not just be a joke. Although I also knew that Leslie's the funniest person in the world. Yeah. And nobody could get more laughs out of that. Right, us, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And and I was right. I mean, you know, le- what Leslie did in that room was spectacular. You know, now, uh, no offense to all the girls out there, but every single girl that plays a concert nowadays is the new millennium's Bette Midler. Everybody's the new uh-huh, millennium's uh-huh, Bette Midler. Uh-huh. But, you know, Leslie actually, in a weird way, playing Patty really was that, you know? Yeah. It was sort of this strange confluence of, like, the up-and-coming diva and the legend of the diva. <laughs> and you know I, I mean i think Leslie would agree that it was uh, you know uh, what she did in that room was really spectacular and it and and it paid you know the audience ate it up i mean you know we kept running and running and we were you know it was and the most successful thing i ever did really patty was on board yeah i i got patty's permission and blessing and help you know she was giving us uh you know, advice and, you know, unfortunately she'd already sold the costume on eBay, but. <laughs> oh my God, did she really? <laughs> you may not remember this, but there was a time when Patty sold off a lot of her crap on eBay. No, in like I didn't know that. 2005, yeah. So um, we had to get a new one made, but.
0: Then eventually Patty was not on board. Well, what happened was Kurt Deutsch, um,
1: speaking of the film center building, that's yeah. where Shikaboom Records is. Kurt Deutsch, whose, uh, company is Shikaboom Records, uh, loved the show and, uh, recorded it. And, uh, all through our run, every time we'd extended or gotten a review or really anything, I had contacted Patty immediately and gotten. I don't. know, I At that point, I wasn't really getting her permission. I was just kind of bragging to her. Look at this review we got, and she was like, "Oh, that's so great, honey. I can't wait to see it." Yeah,
0: not that she was. <laughs> Did okay. she come to see it? No. And I don't no. know
1: that. Yeah, and I don't know that she would have, but she kept saying that. You know. Uh huh. Um, but you know, I mean, I think, I think she felt that would be intense for her. Um, for Leslie? No. Well, oh, that for too. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, I mean, I you know, I know what that would be like for Leslie because Patty came to Patty issues. You know? Well, we're getting there. But, um, but I think I don't know. I think Patty was, for her own experience, was hesitant. But, but she was very supportive of what we were doing. Um, but, I made the mistake. I think this was a learning experience that um, when Kurt was recording the show, I did not talk to Patty about that, and I didn't like I.
0: So Kurt, Kurt was going to make an album. Of yeah.
1: That. And Kurt had produced Patty's last two albums at that point. Uh And here, and this is part of this, it's funny, you know, this is such a lesson to people in terms of their insecurities and stuff. You know, you have to believe in yourself and believe you're a professional and believe you're an adult. Yeah. Because... You know, I am. I was. I was doing a show at Joe's Pub that was got a rave review in the New York Times that I had conceived and directed. I should have felt like a real person, and I should have realized that I'm a real person. I have a real relationship with Patty, and it is on me to, in my relationship with Patty, talk to her about things that are going on. But I always feel like I'm just this kid. I mean, even now I'm 40. I feel like I'm a kid. Tor- so I, know, I feel like I'm not really at the table. You know, yeah, yeah, to yeah, me yeah. it was like Kurt and Patty were the grownups. He's her record producer. He's going to talk to her. Yeah. Like, well, I'm just Lonnie's old assistant. I'm yeah. just the one that gets her water, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, you think you're feeling that way is some kind of act of humility or something, but it's actually not. It's actually cowardice and it's actually not stepping up and being a, a respectful professional, and you know, protecting yourself, Protect yourself, and protecting Patty. Yeah. I, as Patty's. You know, whether we were friends or collaborators or whatever, it was on me. I should not have just assumed Kurt worked it out with her. Uh Um, Now, I still don't really understand what happened between Patty and Kurt that I don't really know what went on. But Patty saw it on Playbill.com that or somebody forwarded it to her that we were being recorded. And I got a phone call from her telling her that I would be hearing from her lawyer. Was it a it was like a a voicemail? voicemail. Yeah. Then this is Patty Lupone. This is by this. this is after years of her being Hi honey, it's Patty. Yeah. Darling, yeah. darling, darling. Hi doll. It's me. This <laughs> Ben, this is Patty LuPone. Um, something's gonna wry with this act. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. I mean, the, oh, the no. gas. I left out the best part. You've really upset me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and god. And the next message I got was from her lawyer. What did he say? Cease and desist. No, well, he was like, oh, hey, it's Rob Riker. give me a call. You know, he was, yeah. was you know, they were very nice. So we never got a letter. I, I he, he, she wanted her Capital Sports videotape back. She did. I sent it right back to her. Oh my god. Um,
0: and uh, did they shut the show down?
1: Well, no. What happened was we had already. Co- what happened was Leslie was about to go to San Francisco to do the out of town tryout of Legally Blonde. Oh right. Um, so we had just closed in New York with Les Mouche. We didn't have any more dates. It was January of two thousand seven. And um, Kurt had recorded our last two shows at Joe's Pub, and Joe's Pub wanted us back starting in May. We were going to play every week, Saturday at midnight, through the fall. Oh my god! Just like Patty. So cool. We were very excited about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, what happened was, uh, so Patty didn't want the album to come out. So Kurt and I immediately were like, "Okay, the album won't come out." Leslie was mad about that as of well. Course. She should be because yeah. it was unclear whether Patty had the right to stop that or not. I think she did, and Kurt thought she did, but you could argue she didn't. And I think Leslie felt that Kurt and I were kowtowing to Patty at the expense of our project with Leslie. Yeah. Um, in my mind, it was just always very clear that the show was Patty Leponet LeMouche, and there was if it, what there was no LeMouche yeah. without Patty. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but patty we did have a date we had leslie was playing a weekend at the plush room in san francisco while she was there uh doing um legally blonde i was doing a play that i did at the daryl roth called the fabulous life of a size zero we were workshopping that at uc berkeley so i was there with leslie and we were doing the show so patty didn't have us not she didn't stop us from doing that those final performances in san francisco but then it was over
0: Oh my god um, so when so Patty did not want you guys doing it she didn't want us doing the show at all anymore. yeah. oh my God which was heartbreaking. I I I don't
1: even know what to say. Could yeah. you do it now? I don't know, you know um I sometimes wonder how Patty would feel about it now um you know, it would be something different, you know, I mean I, I think I Leslie and I used to talk about it. we haven't talked about that in a long time. I do wonder how she'd feel because. I know for her that was an intense and specific moment. I don't know whether or not she would want to Leslie? Yeah, recreate you know, revisit that. Um, I think you would almost have to do like, you know, Annalie Ashford is Leslie Kritzer, as Patty. oh my god, totally, totally <laughs> not Anna, I don't know, somebody else. But um w- maybe w- Leslie would want to do it. I and I, I, what, Patty might feel differently now. You know, it's it's been a long time. In the time since that happened. Patty turned 60. Patty won a second Tony Award yeah Patty starred on Broadway and back to back to back to back to back shows Patty um uh you know won the spirit of the city award from Saint John the Divine Patty's son graduated high school and then college and then the acting company I mean I, I, sorry I mean like, <laughs> I think you know I, I think Patty is in a very secure place in yeah. her Life. Reputation she legacy, might, yeah. She might
0: feel differently, but I'd, maybe she wouldn't. Who knows? God, I would kill to see that. I wanted to end with you talking about Patty coming to see the show. Yeah. And that moment. The great um,
1: pants shitting of, of uh, <laughs> 2012. Did you know she was coming? Of course. I begged her to come. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And did the audience, did other people in the audience Yeah, end? I mean, it's the duplex, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you guys don't know, that room is the size of this recording booth. Yeah. T- it's and, a gorgeous room. See a show there. I love it so much, but it's tiny.
1: And not to mention the fact that the the audience at the duplex, the audience at the duplex seeing Patty Issues, which, by the way, it was the second performance of Patty Issues.
0: The second ever performance? Yeah, so
1: this is not people that read about it in the Times and came to see it a year later. This is people that were pretty much my friends, oh you know? Oh, my God. If they weren't my friends, they were hardcore theater people, <laughs> totally. you know? Totally, yeah, exactly. Like, very hardcore. <laughs> so they all knew Patty. I mean, probably, if they were my friends, they probably knew she was coming before they got there,
0: you oh know? Oh, my God. So she, you called her and said, I want you to come, and she ca- called you back and said, I'm coming. Yeah. This is after the, all the less Years later. later, yeah. yeah. Patty okay. and I made up, and I
1: produced the CD we released yep. of Patty's Les Mousse Show. Yep, exactly. Okay, so go, so talk. So, um... Patty was watching the show and, you know, immediately I think she put, I mean, I was so nervous anyway. It was my second time doing the show. And honestly, I had been a director my whole career. I hadn't performed since college, you know. So it was, I was just so nervous to be on stage at all. Um, And, uh, but of course it was a lot crazier having patty there but right from the beginning it was clear that she was buying in well first the first funny thing that happened was the show starts with julie covington singing don't cry for me argentina oh and um i so you hear why julie covington well because that it traces my journey with evita and you know um yeah that that you know that that and you know i think that's part of the you know the show ends with patty singing don't cry for me argentina i mean i you know I, i that's the journey um It does not the whole thing. You know, it's just a couple seconds of it. But so, you know, you're sitting there in the silence and you hear, you know, it won't be easy. And then you hear Patty
0: go, is that me? (laughs) Scott Whitman going, no, no, it's Julie Covington. (laughs) Uh, Was he there with her? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God.
1: Um, So, um... Yeah, so that happened. So that was pretty funny. And then as soon as I you, I was doing her. There's a lot of stuff of me telling Patty stories and you know acting as her, imitating her in you know my own humble way. Um, Not humble, but you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, and uh, from the very beginning of that, you heard her laughing with that great laugh she has, and so it was clear that she was buying in to my. Characterization of her as this sort of over the top, salt yes. of the earth, yeah. larger than life, you know, uh, persona, which you know, I mean, I I think I expected that she would, and it's certainly a very loving portrayal. I mean, absolutely. Anybody that doesn't walk out of my show thinking I love Patty Lupone is probably was asleep. You right. Know? Um, <laughs> but there is the story about the threatened lawsuit oh in my the God. show. And, you know, I think that the audience, their tension in that room is insane because I think people felt like, would she think I was characterizing her as, like, a bitch or something, Yeah, you know? uh-huh. So I'm standing there and I'm, like, you know, um, doing that answering machine message, you know, uh, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And the tension in the room, it was so intense. It was really, like, a scary moment. I almost felt like I couldn't go on... You know, and it wasn't even so much that I was concerned about what she was thinking, but I could feel the audience. Yeah. Like so nervous. And then you hear Patty go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you can't offend Patty. She's not worried that I'm portraying her as a bitch. In her mind, it's like, I should have sued him. Yeah. what? wait, wait. Why didn't I sue him? Remind me to look that up later, because <laughs> there might be a lawsuit there. You know, She's not worried about that. She's so strong-willed and confident. You yeah, know? totally. I, I mean, she's just the greatest.
0: Ben Lauer, I love you so much. I love you. This is so much fun. When, tell, uh, when are your shows happening?
1: Well, the first date I've got coming up is Monday, December 19th. For all you Broadway people, it's a Monday night. Yeah, And I'm doing Patty Issues at 7, and that was Monday at 9.30. And um, there's a super cheap discount code uh, patty money patty money uh, I you love can it. get uh i think it's like 13 dollars to see both shows um and uh and then i don't know I'm, i am I think i'm gonna have some more dates in january and then i'm definitely gonna be going back to la and san francisco and i think i have philadelphia in march and i don't know you know i'm
0: yeah they you're can't stop girl. me
1: i'll be anywhere they'll let me be
0: what's your website
1: benrimelauer yes you can also is. go to pattyissues.com yes and uh i'm on all the grams and the Twitter, all that hashtag stuff. We're a it's zillion. always been oh always been Rimmelauer.
0: <laughs> you can telegram me at yeah, dash dash dash. If dot, you just scream, Oh my god, Patty! I'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boo. Thank
1: you. Mwah. Bye. I'm there. <laughs>
0: BroadwayCon The Podcast is a partnership between BroadwayCon Media and Theatre Podcast Productions. Episodes are produced, mixed, and edited by me, Patrick Hines. Just a reminder that tickets for BroadwayCon 2017 are now on sale. You can find information and tickets at broadwaycon.com. If you just can't wait till next week for your theatre podcast fix, you can check out my other podcast. It's called Theatre People. We do long-form interviews with Tony winners, Broadway legends, and today's brightest theatre stars. We'll be back next week with Nika Graf-Lanzaroni, co-star of the new group's Sweet Charity and one-time cast member of Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, which is my Broadway obsession and one of the most underrated shows of all time. Until then, we ask you to remember this. If you get really pissed and will cut someone slack When they call the cast album a freaking soundtrack You're a baby fantastic, you're punk